You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for Straight Talk About Diversity. Frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up with your hosts, Sadika Bodka of Nikea Diversity Consulting and Anthony Arrington of Top Rank Professional and Executive Search Firm. Diversity Straight Up is a Corridor Business Journal podcast brought to you by Collins Aerospace, the city of Cedar Rapids, and Alliant Energy. On today's episode, Joel Schmidt, Vice President of Business Development at Alliant Energy. Being an introvert and analytic, I always think first you got to get through my head, then you got to get my heart, and then the feet have to go. Interesting. And I would even say for, as the middle-aged white male, educate us, because I think some of this is just part of the culture we were, the movies we watched, the shows we did, the books we read. Right. Bringing that, that, that pendulum of diversity back to the middle, that being diverse doesn't mean at the expense of. Mm-hmm. But I can understand how individuals can be that way when it comes to cultural differences. What advice would you have for our listeners to help them overcome that? Um, I think practice um, and get the feedback. Um, we talk a lot about it in other development to build feedback loops. Mm. Make sure you've got that. Um, we'll be right back. At Collins Aerospace, we believe that fostering an inclusive environment makes our employees feel valued. It also helps our business succeed. By encouraging diverse viewpoints in the workplace, we're redefining futures. It's why we proudly support the Corridor Business Journal's diversity podcast, Diversity Straight Up. Diversity Straight Up is sponsored by the City of Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids is a welcoming and vibrant city, encompassing unique attractions, exciting and diverse events, specialty shopping, a dynamic art scene, and a large variety of restaurant and nightlife options. You'll find that Cedar Rapids offers one of the best places to live, work, and play in the Midwest. Sarah, I was I was thinking as we were talking about the, the show this week, and you know, we usually do our two-minute drill. Um, I've been noticing a lot. I wanted to get your opinion on it. I've been noticing a lot of organizations, a lot of leaders. I'm seeing pronouns, the use of pronouns, uh, which is an important um, issue in the LGBTQ community and um, being able to address pronouns. And so I um, just wonder what you thought about that. How are your, what, are your, what are your feelings on the use of pronouns? I, you know, I think there's some discussion about whether organizations are being uh, mandated to do that versus a voluntary um, is there a defense mechanism that that goes up because folks feel they're forced to be to do that, um, to conform, things like that? Do you do you hear about that? What do you what do you think about that? Yes, well, I think for our listeners, a perspective, I think maybe providing a little bit more context in terms of what do you mean by the pronouns. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share? Yes, a bit yes, about yes. That? So pronouns um, uh, as a as a way to define yourself as a he, him, his, uh, her, she, hers, hers, her, she, hers, and they, so theirs. yes, and so. Um, in the LGBT community, there are, are certain individuals or certain um, per- particular individuals in the group who prefer not to be um, addressed as a he or a she, and some do. Um, and because of that, it's become, my understanding and my education of this is it's become a, an important uh, topic, an important thing to be conscious of in the community as, as individuals in the LGBT community like to be uh, identified uh, appropriately. Um, and so I'm learning about that myself, and I, it's something I was like, you know, I, I'm wondering, I wonder what Sarah thinks about that. Well, thank you for asking. It's definitely a very interesting uh, 
topic and conversation. I have actually attended events where they do make you put that on your name tag. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, this was a LGBTQ plus event, so it was right. a safe environment, and they were able to feel out their audience and yep. attendees prior to this. Right. And so I um, noticed that. But I also noticed some companies say, we want to do this, and if they make a mandatory, the reality is not everyone is going to be in a position or place where they feel comfortable yeah. to share what their identity yep. is. And so it's very uh, personal. Yep. And I think that's something that workplaces need to respect when yeah. they're looking at policies. I always think about the intent versus the impact in terms of what that could look like. Yeah, me too. Um, and I also know that at the end of the day, you want to be able to bring your 100% to work. And if individuals are not identifying with a certain you know, identity, you don't want to assume. So, which actually brings me to my next point, is that when you're looking at um, cover letters and you're addressing individuals in communications, what was the rule that they used to indicate? If you don't know, they're, you know, Mr. or Ms. or Mrs., put down Ms. or Mr., et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I threw that out the door. I don't even. So what do you do? I just put the first name, first last name. name. Yep, me too. I don't want to presume. Yeah. And that's me going into any kind of, yep. you know, communication with yeah. anyone anymore. Yeah. I do not do that. Yeah, lots to think about. We could talk all day. You know, we could. So I'm, I'm going to try to cut us off here. And we, we've, got a, we've got a great guest today. So, yes, we um, do. We're getting ready to get under the hood uh, this morning with Joel Schmidt, uh, who's the vice president of business development at Alliant Energy. And have some great conversation around uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement. So uh, to our listeners, get your seatbelt on, strap on, grab your, grab your coffee, your favorite drink, wherever you're at. And um, let's, get, let's get going. Welcome, Joel, to Diversity Straight Up. Thank you. Very excited to be here. I want um, our listeners to know a little bit more about you. So, Anthony, do you want to take it away? Prior to his current role as Vice President of Business Development, Joel served as Vice, as Vice President of Regulatory Affairs. Prior roles also included Vice President of Regulatory and Financial Planning Director, Financial Planning and Analysis, Regional Director, Customer Service and Operations, Chief Audit, Ethics and Compliance Officer, Managing Director, Business and Financial Performance, and Managing Director, China Energy International. Before joining Alliant, Joel worked at IES Industries as a manager of finance and at Arthur Anderson in a number of audit and accounting related roles. Received his bachelor's degree in accounting and a CPA certification in 1985 and an MBA in 1988 from the University of Iowa. Go Hawks. Uh, he's also certified Lean Six Sigma Greenbelt. And Joel served on a number of boards, uh, Alzheimer's Association of Eastern Iowa, Horizons, Hawkeye Council, Boy Scouts of America, Junior Achievement, Iowa, job for America's graduates, and he's a member of the uh, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. Wow. Lots of, lots of accomplishments, Joe. Yeah, such a global experience in your bio as well. Share a little bit about um, the role around China. Yeah, um, that, that's really interesting, and as I have often say to um, when I'm speaking at universities and other places, um, I think it's really an example of being in the exact right place at the exact wrong time, uh, which has been a lot of my career. And really the message there, and I, I try to share with my children and others, is, you know, be prepared and take, take advantage as take risks. Um, it was a sad situation. Actually, our vice president of business development at that time had a stroke in China. Oh, I'm uh, so sorry to yeah, hear that. Yeah, sorry to hear. Oh. It was a, um, an unusual time, and I just happened to, in essence, have a passport and had been working on it. And others saw in me, I think, the potential to do that. And it was really exciting. I... Um, we, we, we grew from a portfolio of a couple investments to about a dozen in the time frame. But I think more importantly, really opened my eyes to uh, the wider world, um, what the 
biodensay as I grew up on a small dairy farm in eastern Iowa. Uh, diversity growing up was the Lutheran farm down the road. Um, so you think about someone from, the, from a farm background, um, probably would not have even went to college if it wasn't for the farm crisis of the 80s. Um, mm -hmm. I went to college, got my accounting degree. Um, so the University of Iowa was you know, pretty diverse to me. And I, you know, now when we look at it, you can make the argument maybe not very diverse right. from many places. And then went into, worked out of Chicago um, for some time. And then for family reasons, decided to come back to Iowa um, for what I thought was going to be a couple-year gig and find my way. And um, I've had a lot of two-year gigs, uh, but they've all been uh, fortunate enough to be at Alliant Energy. And I've had the opportunity to have so many different positions, uh, meet so many different people. And now I'm to that point in my career where um, it's really, and as a lot of leaders, you realize now it's the impact you make through others um, and sharing my stories and my experience hopefully to give other people inspiration and really a realization to um, have awareness for the world around them. And I, when I think about diversity, um, inclusion, change, really being an agent of change, um, you know, similar to how you, you talk on this um, podcast about um, equity, diversity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement, I've always... Um, being an introvert and analytic, I always think first you got to get through my head, then you got to get my heart, and then the feet have to go. Hmm. Um, and I often use use that when I'm talking to people because I think in change and really realization of what is the change and where you're trying to go, you've got to have the head and heart. Now, as I know, some extroverts or maybe more promoter type personalities actually probably start with the heart and then go to the head. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think we all, uh, it matters what is going to be the action or the output. Right. So in your terms, engagement, my terms, feed. Are you taking the actions required now that you've kind of got your head and right. heart around things? Right. And that's a great segue because one of the things that we wanted to ask you about was um, what's called acquired diversity. And acquired diversity as opposed to inherit, inherit, you're born with your color of your skin and your eye color. And, and acquired diversity is, is, a learned, is learned diversity through your experiences growing up and your family and your community. And, uh, you know, you, you talked about your trip to China and you talked about your growing up. And I'm curious, what were some of, what were or some of or a aha moment in your life, be it personally or professionally, that made you realize that diversity and equity and inclusion and engagement are, are important. Maybe it was something that happened to you or something you, you learned, uh, but can you talk about, can you yeah. talk about the yeah. I'd, I'd love to, and uh, a couple stories that come to mind um, on what I'd call the professional, and then I'd like to maybe one on the personal yeah. with my daughter, um, which I think hit these issues. Um, and it goes back to China, mm -hmm. um, and I was over there for a weekend. I was in one of their small towns mm -hmm. of a few million people, um, and I was alone basically staying at the hotel either Saturday or Sunday and then waiting for the rest of the team. So I was just kind of, I was in essence R&R &R and just catching up sleep and right. you know, so forth. Um, but decided to go out for a walk in the morning. Um, felt really safe. I always felt safe there. And I was out and about and I turned a corner um, and it was like a park area, recreational area. And it really hit me how I was being stared at and mm. I was different, something I had never experienced um, to that level. Um, and what was interesting is you could see um, everybody trying to get a little bit closer to me, um, you know, kind of look who I am, what I am. And then all of a sudden a couple 
children, which usually happens, the uninhibited, um, <laughs> you know, hi, Joe, uh-huh. <laughs> um, tried to practice some English um, and go into that. And it was really, um, one, it was heartwarming to see the, you know, the fear kind of in their eyes and faces when they saw me, to really just laughter and, and those human emotions that are um, so important right. to all of us. Um, I think in reflection, what it, um, what it told me was, how much energy it maybe takes for some people just to show up and to be 100% of them themselves in organizations. Very true. Yes. Um, I know you've talked about that. Um, a lot of professionals talk about it. I do think we need to keep it front and center. Um, really, if, if a lot of energy has to be used to sort of get to the starting blocks or whatever is yeah. the analogy, um, you know, from a fairness, moral compass, that's, yeah. that's something to overcome. Um, another um, example from China, we were working um, to try and do a partnership with a Brazilian company, and my peer um, was a woman leader from Brazil. And one night we got talking about life, and as you do over dinners yep. when you're traveling together Absolutely. and so forth. Um, and you know, so we're in a socialist company or country with two "quote unquote" capitalist business leaders, and we got on to you know being a woman business leader. And she actually made the comment she felt more respected as a woman leader in China than she did Brazil, which to me was, was yeah, Interesting. Was, mine yeah. was, yeah, wow. Um, and went a little further, but then again, my reflection was I probably had a bias that our capitalist way, which I'm a, you know, is deep yep. part of my roots, but there's always, there's always different angles in how you're looking at it. And I just found it interesting. And I, what, hopefully, I think what I've been trying to demonstrate with these types of experiences is make sure I'm open enough to really get the full view right. of what's going on and the perspective that others have. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm very curious with that story. Why did she feel as a businesswoman she felt more respected in China than in Brazil? Um, actually, and you know, I've read a bit more on Chinese history and kind of going through it, um, of all the not so great things of that, you know, turn post-World War II. I don't want to get into that. You know, part of it was uh, of the equality given to women. They were, frankly, given chances. So I think there was the experience of having women as leaders um, there. So I think she just felt all the environment was just more set up. There was experience of it. I think it really was an experiential as much Mm -hmm. as anything. Interesting. Brazil and probably even the United States at that point had not had as much experiential experience to do that. And again, yeah. one person's feelings, yeah. but it was, it was very interesting to me of how she felt about that. And now when I think about it from the Me Too and all the others, um, I've always had probably the lens that I've worked for women. I've had women on my teams. I grew up with two sisters, you know, in school, everything. You know, I, I always kind of thought it was an equality type arrangement. Um, but I think the Me Too and some of the other recent things have allowed me um, to have conversations with my peers and others. You know, maybe the energy and effort it took them to come at 100% right. to the starting blocks yeah. was more than I even realized sure. in what I thought was, quote unquote, the enlightened age or sure. whatever, more of doing that. Sure. Tell us about your daughter. You said, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Laura's 25. She's, um, she's in communications, so she works in, in uh, corporate communications. This goes back to high school, and I know you're, you're in the Linmar 
district as well. Oh, yeah. Um, go Lions. Yeah, go Lions. <laughs> um, this was, um, and I think it was her senior year, um, she was co-chair of whatever was the diversity club, mm-hmm. inclusion club, whatever the appropriate name at that right. um, time in history was. Um, and she knew a young man um, in the school um, um, that had come out as gay and um, also had set up an anti-bullying blog. There was a lot of, there was the start of some cyber bullying going on and he had really set up a counter blog. So basically if I was getting bullying in school, they would send texts out as positive reinforcement stuff. I mean, this was, this was a 17 year old kid doing, you know, some pretty cool stuff. Yes. Um, Talk about a change agent. Yeah, change agent. And he did get some national attention later. Um, But, Laura's co-leader and some of the other students thought he would be too controversial for a diversity event. And it was troubling Laura. She came home and we talked, we, we did a lot of talking. And it's like, you know, and she didn't want to quote unquote go to the teachers and all those other things that is most of us as teenagers, you have these, you know, varying Anxiety, things. Right, right. Um, but finally, you know, I said, well, you know what's right. And she says, yeah. And said, you know, what's more important? And she went through different channels, um, probably strained a little bit of her relationship with the co-leads, but he was able to tell his story at Linmar, which I think was very, very important. Um, so, I mean, she continues to teach me. And um, recent now, she's had the opportunity to travel to Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she wanted to do in her free time was go to the Genocide Museum, oh. which is something we, you know, right. we experienced there. And the interesting thing to me is her, um, it was very touching to her, but she wanted to do it. Right. And when we talked about it, it was really similar to the feelings I had going through the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. And when we kind of mm-hmm. talked about it, I think it was one of those things. Both were historic events for us. Sure. I mean, I, I, I'm old, but I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't I got around <laughs> for World War, World War II. Not <laughs> We're not that old. old. <laughs> not that old. <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah. And hers, but it was it, it was like close enough to our experiences, and we wanted to learn, and it hit us with a lot of the similar feelings. And frankly, some when when we got through that part of it, of we have made progress. Yep. Maybe not where we need to, right. but we've made progress, and that's something I tend to make sure, try to make sure I balance because sometimes I can be blind of we've come so far, mm-hmm. but forget how far we have to go. Right. So go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask. Well. Your daughter sounds as though she's a very, very impressive individual. I think so. <laughs> you indicated that um, you know what's the right thing to do, and you know that sometimes it's going to rock the boat, and it may also impact relationships. And you also indicated that it can be very experiential. You hit upon everything when we're talking about when it comes from an equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement perspective, that it's not policies or strategies. It's how people are feeling, and that means relationships and connections. I'm very curious in terms of your value system and um, things that you want to be able to drive. Has there ever been a time where sometimes some policies or strategies that may look as if um, they're coming out or in terms of uh, come to fruition, but it may go against your value system? And how have you um, overcome that or what did you do? Um, great question. Um, not coming up with really specific examples um, here, um, probably in reflection I could. I think generally when I think about um, policies, procedures, so forth, I always want to be cautious that we're not getting too directive and we're trying to 
solve yesterday's problem or issue by papering something instead of really figuring out what are the real drivers here. Um, often it's just miscommunication, um, misunderstanding of um, what's going on. And do you, is, are you trying to have set principles or kind of that compass type directional, or are you trying to get to, you know, the longitude and latitude, you know, direct points, kind of a GPS for an analogy versus just directional? Um, so I think um, I've seen through my, you know, uh, decades in the business world, I think we, we, we go back and forth. We're usually responding to something that happened, which is good. We, that's our job, our duty, our obligation uh, to the people we're privileged to lead. Um, but also, I think we got to, we got to, what are the real impacts and some of those side impacts and have you gone through it? And, you know, my experience as chief audit and risk officer with, in ethics, um, as um, one of my HR friends referred to, now you get to see the armpit of the company, <laughs> which again, and again, it's we're an great. We're, we're, yeah, it is. I always found it yeah. interesting. And obviously yeah. it's stuck. And every company has an armpit for right. the record. And, yeah. And, and they, you know, I serve it. And. You know, we've got we've got a great culture. I think we've got a, a growing culture. Um, but you know, through those investigations and stuff, a lot of it was really: Are you triangulating? Are you really, you know, how are people feeling? You know, it's the intent, for, you know, so forth. Um, and we're all humans, so we try, I think, to do our best. But what are the learnings, and how do you really make it for the overall right. group? I mean, a lot of times it's somewhat amazing. We figure yeah. this stuff out in our families and communities, and in our unofficial communities, how to how to interact yeah. with each other. But in the larger setting, I think it's just a, a little bit tougher. Um, not that we don't need rules and policies, but I think you gotta be very prudent on what they are. So I didn't really answer the question, no, but I went did. to an angle. No, you did actually, um, in the sense that, well, at least I took away from it that it, it, it's strategic at the same time it's organic. Yes. You wanna be able to, right. and I, you know, I had an interesting conversation oh, with the CEO recently as well, and uh, their growth expansion has been very organic over the years, it's been part of their culture. And so when it comes to this work, they said, can we drive it organically? And then I said, well, you know, maybe a hybrid approach may be better because you still wanna be able to drive it, so there's leadership commitment. At the same time, you wanna be able to ensure that from a culture perspective, it is being felt. So where is it organically growing as well? Right. Alliant Energy is a place where I can create the future, where my skills, creativity, and new ideas make a better tomorrow. I help deliver the energy powering moments that matter to you. It's where we care about the environment and our neighbors, a place where my talents and skills grow. My job isn't a job, it's my passion, my place, my purpose, because I am energy. See how you can put your energy to work at AlliantEnergy.com slash careers. There tends to be a perception in the business community that um, white men don't care, for example, about diversity. And I, of course, we don't believe that. But we also know that there's opportunities for men in your position to understand uh, their privilege and their roles in their organizations or their families or their communities. Can you talk about some examples uh, or maybe give your feeling on that and how you've been able to use your privilege to uh, make a difference in an organization, in, in Alliant or, or, or other organizations or, or your life or what have you. So, so gr some great questions embedded in there or thoughts. Um, I tried to pack it all in. Yeah, there. well, I, I love He's that. I love that. So hopefully I'll unpack a few of these pieces for you. Um, first, you know, how I feel, I think that is really where um, others with diversity have helped me and being able, you know, I mentioned the, um, 
woman in China and her being willing to share with me, but when employees will share with me, um, actually in preparation for this podcast, I went to a couple people that know me well and been through it, and we, um, she's one of our newer um, leaders doing really well, and we got talking about her first time presenting to the leadership team. And she said when she looked out the stage, it really hit her how male and white we were, mm-hmm. or are, we are as an organization. And I said, you know what's funny to me is I probably presented at that meeting as well, or if not that one, one within right. the right. same year. Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, I recall looking out at the stage and saying, wow, how far we've come. Because I was going back That's interesting. 10, 15 years mm-hmm. ago thinking of the first room I spoke to this group, and it was different. How you know a, a lot many a lot more people, all kind of very similar, and I saw the differences, and, and um, she saw maybe how far we have to go, and again part of that was where we were in our career. I was right. going back to when I was starting. She was starting at that role. glass half empty, half full. Ha- yeah, yeah, half empty, half full, and it's again. But another reminder: be careful of the perceptions mm-hmm. that we have. Neither of us were wrong. Right. Neither of us were totally right. Um, so it was again a good reminder for me you know to continue to move on Um, I think specific examples um, where I've been able um, to make a difference and I like to think a lot of my life how I do things keep things in three so I've got I've got my personal life I've got my professional life and I call it philanthropy I like to have things so three P's and it's really a triangle that everything's connected to each other so when I go through that, so where have I, um, on a personal um, basis, um, went through stories with you know, our children, um, had the opportunity to do a lot of traveling when they were in uh, grade school and high school, going to Europe. My son was able to accompany me to China. He was 11 years old, and he's 28 now, and every so often the story will come out, something he remembers from that period of just mm-hmm. absorbing diversity, culture, all those things. Um, you know, so I had the privilege ability to make a difference for uh, the next generations really to open our eyes i know that's why both of our children are more open to studying international uh, my daughter now has the opportunity to do some work there um i commend profet- you for that i commend you for that that's a great thing well, i recommend it and my wife gets most of the credit <laughs> as she should or maybe all of it yeah joel's uh, getting some brownie points here. yeah <laughs> well, I'm, yeah working it but she was a firm believer that we took two weeks of vacation as a family and then that transpired and that was probably actually even more than where we went because you have that time to do things so sure. so i use my privilege there um professionally probably the one two that come to mind um recently um we went to an open office environment and i know there's a lot of pros um, and cons to yeah, that yeah. Um, but as a leader i could push that uh, make it happen i specifically said no we're not going to have offices for the officers here even if that's the long-term right answer which i don't think it is we can't do it i can't expect anybody else to go through a change that i don't personally have to do it and i in essence made a pact with my peer officer that was going to do this that her and i if it you know if it killed us we were going to make this work and we had to be each other's support system because we were coming out we we just had we were used to closed doors all that other stuff and it it worked that's that's good to hear, and and I don't know what your thoughts on that, Sarah, because there's this perception of, of hierarchy, right? And do they they come down out of the high cloud to be amongst us? And it sounds like you you've created an environment where we know leadership, but we also understand. I'm going to use my privilege to make sure everybody has um, equity in yeah. terms of space. 
Agree. I've been on both ends. Yeah. I've been where I've had yeah. the big offices and I've uh, been on the other end yeah. where I've also been in the cube land as well. I think it all goes down to what you had talked about earlier about heart, head, and feet. Yep. And in this instance, it was your feet that really showed it. You were modeling the way and your actions spoke louder than your words there. And actually, your actions mimic what you were saying. So I think that is really great. So you talk about your personal, your professional, and then what's your philanthropy there? My um, philanthropy is really, I think, where I learned probably leadership diversity the best. Um, part of the reason I got onto some boards was professional development as well as mm -hmm. um, to help all the great causes we have in our community and beyond. Um, so it allowed that openness because we didn't know each other. People were coming from different industries, different perspectives. Um, one that hit me on some um, boards, um, people that were maybe not in the corporate world or even nonprofit world, they were in essence professional philanthropists, volunteers, so forth. And I remember more than once, um, they'd say, well, that's that's kind of a business decision. I don't know that I, sh I feel comfortable weighing in. And it's like, no, we really need you to weigh in. Your perspective is probably going to show us a blind spot that we don't know. Um, so I think I really learned there to be kind of in that equal mode, get to learn people and listen a lot better for diverse thoughts as we, we go through uh, decisions there and you know as a board on a nonprofit you do have a lot of influence um, and you can you can make a difference and you know the best thing is and I encourage aspiring leaders to use it as a great learning tool because I think you get you can try some stuff maybe you're working on professional speaking or you're working on being talking more talking less being influential listening all those things, what, I mean, what a great place to learn yeah. um, and to practice. While you're to, giving back. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it, it truly is a win-win. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really interesting when I think about um, board diversity and you hit upon the fact that you really need to use your voice and uh, be able to share your feedback. I've um, experienced boards um, where it's been very homogenous from a thought perspective. And I call it the rubber stamp board. Mm -hmm. And I always say, at the end of the day, as a board member, you have the fiduciary responsibility to ensure that you're driving the nonprofit's yeah. organization. And a lot of times when you're handpicking individuals, and that's what happens. If you don't have that, that's why I say it's very homogenous in thought sometimes, because you're picking your affinity group to serve. And that does yeah. not give or lend itself to a very diverse board. And nor does it lend to the organization being able to drive its mission. Do you notice those opportunities or do you notice other leaders on other boards that you've been involved with? Uh, do they take that initiative? I, I think if there was more of Joel's that did that in meetings, it would, it would add value. Do you see that in other meetings? Or um, I see it. I think it's a bit contagious. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, I've learned from others. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, your question Maybe I'm average. I don't know. Maybe a little above now, or maybe more experienced right. um, with that mindset. Um, one thing is when I pick boards, that's something I talk to other board members about and the executive director because this time I'm giving, if I'm going to be a homogenous, redundant opinion on a board, I'm not sure that's a good use of my time yeah. or the board's time. Um, I've been on boards where we've taken this on. We did have. We knew we didn't have the appropriate turnover. We didn't have some other things going on. And it's right. tough work. And you're, you're going to ruffle feathers, so you want to work those relationships. But out of those, some of those feathers I ruffled, I actually ended up with really unique perspectives. And I'd say strong relationships later. Um, some, they stayed a bit ruffled on both sides. We're human. 
Um, but I think it's really, really important that you, you understand what your role is. Um, and I think that goes down to the, you know, meetings, which are a part of corporate America, and we're all trying to do them better, do less of them, have them more effective, right. which is great. But I think that whole, what's, your, what's my role here? What should be my role? What are my unique insights? And then how do I make them happen? And sometimes you just have to ask your leaders. And I think, at least in our culture, and I think most companies, as a leader, that is, that is gold to get that, you know, feedback from the front lines, that perspective. Um, you know, the Colin Powell thing, if the troops aren't talking to yeah. you, you've got a real problem, or paraphrasing. You want to know because we know things get filtered. People are going to be, mm-hmm. but if they're, they're actually, what, what a gift to have somebody ask you, how can I be more effective? Right. And maybe my experience, maybe a story will, will help spring them along. They have to be their authentic self, come, a, come through in their style, not my style. But I think it's, it's, it, it's from my heart. I think it's a very important part of being a good member of society. It's, to me, it's not as much about leadership. This is just civics 101. Yep. Being a good citizen in the you know, role that you have. Be a good person. Be a yeah, good person. Be good. <laughs> you mentioned that part of your privilege enabled you to be able to travel and be able to take your children to be able to get more exposure um, to the world. And I have privilege. I have levels of privilege that others don't have either. How can you help those that may not have uh, the ability uh, to be able to travel to another country per se to help enhance their cultural competency or just have a bigger worldview perspective? You grew up in a farm here in Iowa, and um, what do you tell farmers here that may not have that uh, luxury per se? Um, yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of it is just realize we're human beings. That's our connection point. Um, I like to think of myself as a glass half full, and I look for connections, not differences. Mm-hmm. So look, what are our similarities more so? So, um, you know, some of my uncles, I remember when I was going to China, and they had, why are, you, why are we even doing anything in China? There was some strong feelings there. But when I talked about the people, and really, they're trying to have a better life for themselves, a better life for their children. They want to, they want to give based on their talents. That goes across a lot of things. So uh, one thing is I think you look for commonality, and I, you hit the key word. you got to have the discussions. Mm-hmm. And as an introvert, if I could go back 20, 30 years, I wish I'd have focused more on just having those discussions and being authentic. I mean, I remember going to China. I got the drill about you know cultural protocol and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Which is important, but at the end of the day, when you goof up, when you make a mistake, if it's authentic, sometimes that's the best stories. You know, what's going on? You know, you might have made some comment or something. I mean, it's, it's a matter of be authentic and be real. And, you know, a little bit of humility goes a long ways. I agree The humility goes a long way. So what were some of the faux pas that you may have experienced that... Um you think back and like, oh my goodness, I did this, but this is how you're able to navigate through that. Yeah, um, a lot of it was, you know, going to the locals or the interpreters. You know, I may have, you know, in the protocol of who you're supposed to address first. And, you know, Chinese, it was all about seating order at the table. So mm-hmm. I hadn't been briefed enough or I didn't absorb the briefing, one or the other. And when I should have been addressing the person to the left first instead of the person to the right, um, was just things like that mm-hmm. or... You know, if it was some time of the year and it was a certain color that you probably shouldn't have been wearing, you know, maybe my tie was red and it shouldn't have been red that day or it was blue and it should have been red. Um, You know, little things like that, you just, 
talk about them. I haven't so much that it was just, I think it was, what I saw was people being over nervous about that mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. opposed to being authentic. Um, so I just went to it. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm generally clumsy <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, what the heck, play to your strength. <laughs> I experienced that even in my own Indian culture. Born in India, raised here, so raised in a Western and uh, education system, and then went home to a very Eastern home. And I remember even within my own culture, interacting sometimes or what I said. So imagine me, even with my, within my own culture, feeling that nervousness at times. And I, and I am clumsy too, so I could use that excuse too. <laughs> but I can understand how individuals can be that way when it comes to cultural differences. What advice would you have for our listeners to help them overcome that? Um, I think practice um, and get the feedback. Um, we talk a lot about it in other development to build feedback loops. Mm. Make sure you've got that. Um, what came to mind as you were going through that story was more, um, I think, word choices now are, are pretty important. Uh, uh, one for us is our most visible employee is a line tech who's been, who is generally referred to as a line man. And we have to all, and I have to catch myself. I mean, I'm glad we don't have a kangaroo court. I'd be a lot poorer right. in how many times <laughs> just that vocabulary. But it's, again, it's, it's changes. Make sure you understand what the words mean. And I think more importantly, if you see that in others, have the courage to let them know. Much like when we moved our safety culture forward, one of the big things was making sure it became personal and came home. And first you had to protect mm -hmm. yourself. But then it was, how are you protecting each other? Um, so forth. I mean, and most of us that have the privilege of being parents have done that right. hundreds, thousands of times with our children or with others. So make sure you have those feedback loops and don't be afraid to give the feedback in the appropriate context. It's not from an ego-centric um, mm -hmm. or anything like that. It's really from a, from a helpful that, you know, you said that, you probably didn't even realize you said it, right. which is normally right. it. That could be, or you might, you might have diluted your message. Do and those learned experiences that you've had, have you had opportunities in your professional or personal life to then, um, like you said, practice that? So I like to use water cooler conversations as an example, or, and I use that in, in jest, but you know, where you're in um, small talk or small conversation, and maybe you experience some sort of microaggression or some sort of um, comment or... And you, you mentioned in order to, to help, you've been able to talk to individuals. Have you experienced those situations yourself where you've had an opportunity to uh, help educate another because of what you've learned? Yeah, and I'd say both sides. Sometimes I'm not so proud where I kind of kept the quiet and just let it ride. Yep. Um, and then others where it's like, you know, somebody thinks they're making a joke, but there's really an embedded, be it a racist, yeah. gender, but, you know, something that's just, it's not quote-unquote appropriate right. um maybe at maybe at the point you say is that really what you meant or you really think that's funny um or offline because a lot of times you might know the person and it's like did you even realize how that could be taken in a different context or a different group exactly. and i would even say for as the middle-aged white male educate us because i think yes. some of this is just part of the culture we were the movies we watched, the shows we did, the yeah. books we read, right? People that we loved, stories that had this embedded, um, is very helpful because I I know um, a lot of those things. The first reaction to me is like, well, that's 
that's not my intent. That's not my interpretation. Right. But really, that's not is somebody else's interpretation. The old right. often said, well, that's not what I meant. Well, that's, that's helpful, but this is what I felt, the other I right. felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's important, and I've told this story before, and probably we're saying again, is, is that, that learn, that, that room to grow, room to be educated, and also not be afraid to ask. Um, I have a very uh, good friend of mine in this community that transformed, and he's a middle-aged white man, and he's transformed. And he's at a point in his life where he's learned so much that he, he is in a position where he's not afraid to, to ask because he wants to learn. I think that's important. So let's well, hear that. Yes. And uh, this Indian woman wants to learn as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we're all going on this journey. Absolutely. And this black man wants to learn as well. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got friends on the trail. I mean, what we're a great thing. We're all learning. Thing. What, <laughs> a great, all learning. what a great thing. We're learning. all learning. Yeah. Yeah. So the learning trail is a journey and it's a I always say it's a personal journey, it's a professional journey, and the community journey, which you call philanthropy. So I like how you had broken those down. Joel, in, from your perspective, your personal, professional, and your philanthropy journey, I know that they're all at different levels when it comes to the equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement journey. Which um, of the areas do you feel are areas for opportunity for additional growth that you feel you're not as further along compared to the others? Um, I'm probably not as far along in the community perspective. Um, I think part of that stage of life, probably maybe level of involvement and opportunities. So I'd say that's probably there. One to really, I think I want to reflect a bit more on what is my privilege and where is my voice and where can it make um, a difference um, to really bring the others. Um, you know, hopefully it's come through my personal. I've had changes. I've had things that my heart and head make make a difference to me. Um, and then professionally, um, we're in such an exciting um, pace of change on everything. You call it economic, social, environmental, everything's at this fast pace. I heard the other day um, referred to the financial industry, but I think any of us um, could be there. Um, we all talk about whatever transformation we're in, that it's the, the fastest we've ever seen. Um, but the, his comment was, yes, it's the fastest, but it's also probably going to be the slowest when you look back. Um, in other words, the pace of change is also increasing. So I think it's, there's just so many opportunities. And again, maybe my glass half full, the optimistic is like, great, there are so many points where change can be made um, professionally. So now we're going on to our segment where we have a question from the listener. Okay. And we have a question from our listener, and her name is Shelly. And uh, Shelly has a question, and her question is, in this Me Too movement, we're seeing a lot of changes happen in the workplace. I am seeing my colleagues not inviting me out to social events, and uh, their behavior has changed as they're being a little bit more safeguarded. What can I do about it? Great question, Shelley. Um, and I think that's one of those derivative impacts. I think, um, I, I think it's easy to shut down. Um, so I think that's one where um, if you have a few colleagues that you feel closer to or that group, let them know it. it's actually it's feeling hurtful. It's back to our earlier discussion. That's probably, I would bet, not the intent, but there. Um, you know, I think just have the discussion, and maybe, maybe you have to initiate the going out because maybe that'll be it. Um, again, I have no idea of the rest of the around that and what the group is and that, and Obviously, be smart, be, you know, 
um, be safe and everything else. But if it's important, I think it gets back to have that discussion, open it up, and maybe some small steps. Well, thank you. Um, Shelly, great question. And for all our other listeners, please continue to submit your questions uh, to info at diversitystraightup.com. Great. We are heading into our last segment of the show, one of our favorite parts of the show, and this is where we get to play with our lovely diversity ball. Have you seen the diversity ball before? Not the diversity ball, but I've seen the ball used for uh, <laughs> icebreakers. Awesome. So. Yeah, this is an icebreaker ball, so describe it to the audience. It looks like a soccer ball, and every, every panel has a question on it. And uh, when I throw it to you, wherever your thumb lands, left or right thumb, you ans- ask that question and then answer it for us. So we're, we're going to do it with you. Okay. Right. Sounds so, great. Uh, and it's a soft soccer it's ball, a soft listeners. Ball. <laughs> Play sports in high school or anything? No, so that's probably the, the hardest thing. If I drop it, right. we'll have to edit. All right. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, this is a great one. I'll try to keep it short. What are the benefits of diversity? Oh. The short answer is learning and growth. That's the, the biggest benefit of diversity. Um, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I get to live other experiences and learn other experiences through others. Absolutely. Good. You know, I have to say, I have heard many responses to benefits of diversity. And in our world, we hear all the stats, etc. I love yours. Learn. learn and grow. I love it. Thank you. Simple. Okay. Like, A time when you went out of your way to make someone feel included. This was um, for one of a recent um, cultural event in the Indian community. It was for um, Navratri. And in the Gujarati community, that involves a lot of dancing. I'm a firm believer of we need to do our part to help the larger community be more aware of our culture. If I don't ask them to come, then it's hard for them to know. So this is where I've been very diligent about being able to include my children's friends that are not from my cultural background. And it's because I want my children to feel proud of the culture and expand it and allow exposure. And what better way than a place where you're able to dance and have some great food and um, food so and music always bring them together. Yes, yeah. yes. and so yeah. that is um, time. And I've been very, very uh, conscientious about doing this um, with my children and um, their friend circle and their awesome. parents. <laughs> What's your generation's biggest challenge when it comes to acceptance? Hmm. I think probably the biggest challenge is, is I think for our generation is accepting the demographic changes uh, that we are experiencing um, and how to, um, how to adapt to those. I think probably my generation and, and, and younger maybe are more equipped socially um, to adapt to the changing demographics, um, ethnic and racial demographics in the country. But I think probably that is a challenge. And I think I've noticed that in the last uh, few years, you know, in conversations with, with, with friends and family of, of my age and my generation, um, learning things about individuals that you didn't think you knew. And I think as a body of work, I think that that's our biggest challenge is, is handling the, the demographic changes and how do we deal with that as a, as a, in business in our personal lives and our communities. So. Well, Joel, we love to have our listeners um, always get um, advice or feedback from our guests, um, execs and leaders on our show. 
What two pieces of advice um, can you give our listeners to help them really drive their equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement journey that they can apply in their work uh, place and even in their personal growth? Okay. Um, two is tough, but I think I'll, I'll limit it. Um, first, don't look at diversity as a separate vertical silo or something else. Use it as a tool in your tool belt um, to address other issues. Um, in our industry, one, um, and I think most of corporate America, um, we did sign the Business Council pledge, but um, the ESG movement, environmental, social, governance, that a lot of corporations are trying to figure out how we message it, how we act, so forth. Um, but uh, McKinsey just put out a recent article on it, and what my takeaway was, don't forget that social piece, which is really the fabric of your organization, of your people, and really how it can help in all the other pieces of doing that. You know, if you have, we, we know the research is there. If you have a more diverse, inclusive, you have appropriate equity, and ultimately the heart, you know, and feet um, engagement, um, you can accomplish a lot of great things. So don't lose sight that this isn't a nice to have. This is a must have, and it is a powerful tool to help differentiate and achieve your other goals. Um, and probably ties into another thing I use um, for simplicity um, when options are brought to me. I often like to make sure, is this truly an or question? Do we have to choose between this mm. or that? Or can we come up with something that is and? So um, in our you know, business, um, not all that long ago, can we have cheap power and clean power? Or can we have cheap or clean power? Now can we see we can have both. Um, can you have social, a la diversity, culture success, or economic success? Right. right. I believe now you can have both. I like you know, that. Diversity or profit. I think it's both. And who knows what the next generations are going to come up and move these or decisions to really and decisions and open our minds. So I say have an open mind, listen and use, use the tools and gifts you've been given through this. Really, really like that. I know you and I, we talk about that a lot, um, that bringing that, that, that pendulum of diversity back to the middle, that being diverse doesn't mean at the expense of, mm-hmm. right? So it's not an either, it's not an or, or, or it's, it's and. We can be diverse and be a successful organization or community, so I like that. Yeah, very like insightful things. advice for yeah. our listeners. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Thank Joe. You. Is there anything that we have not discussed on the show that you would like to be able to share with our listeners? One thing I'm, I'm really proud of that Align Energy is focusing on is our pipeline. Um, and that is not only the recruiting of experienced individuals to make sure that's a diverse and robust pipeline, but our intern program, um, which a decade ago was probably less than a dozen interns. Um, I think last year was 60 to 70 interns company-wide um, which was great. And I think the um, other part of that was then when we look at the demographics of those interns, I think about a quarter were of color and half were women. Um, our next challenge is to make sure we attract them to the community, the company, um, so forth, um, which is another reason we have recently opened up um, a presence at the Iowa State University Research Park. One is to have the access to that great engineering talent, that ingenuity, and people that have some affinity to Iowa yeah, yeah. Um, there, um, as well as it's part of the advanced manufacturing lab, robotics and so mm-hmm. forth, which is, I see, 
a movement forward. So I think a lot of it is make sure you keep the pipeline um, full. Um, you're very deliberate and intentional in that. Um, and I think the opportunities are there, but it's not just going to come to us. We've got to take the game um, to the field um, and go there. But I really see a lot of hope in the next generations, in the intern program. And as a leadership team, I know we are committed to making it better. Um, I'm sure we will get lots of advice. We'll look for more advice. Um, we may have a few stumbles, but we're going we're gonna to make it happen. Um, as I mentioned, I believe in my heart and my head that we have to. Um, it's the right thing to do for ourselves. It's the right thing to do for um, all of our stakeholders um, and society at large. Joel, thank you so much for being here. We really enjoyed having you as a guest, and I really love the fact that you kept on connecting the head and the heart. Really, really appreciate your authenticity. I think it's important for, for leaders at your level um, to be able to uh, humanize themselves and, and, and make people understand that you, you, you value uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and engagement just like the next person in your company or in your community. So we appreciate that. My pleasure being here, and thank you to both of you for taking the risk and starting this podcast and uh, helping all of us learn. Thank you. I look forward to further dialogue. Thanks. Thank you to our listeners, as we wouldn't be here without your support. Help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others. Love this episode of Diversity Straight Up? Then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to describe, rate, and review us. And check out our other episodes while you're there. Catch us on our next episode of Diversity Straight Up, which drops monthly. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. CBJ's Diversity Straight Up is brought to you by Collins Aerospace, City of Cedar Rapids, and Alliant Energy. It was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, our backyards are increasingly global. It's not enough to simply be a leader. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share your journey. This may empower others to be bold change agents. Be courageous. Be authentic. Be vulnerable. Diversity straight up. Keeping it real.